but that's faithful to the anime. Yeah. And the video game itself, because there is a lot of... But then it went into ASMR mode again with with the um, the cloning device or the nanobot yeah, the extracting nanobot. device where it's like, yeah. okay, now we've got three women and a guy and yeah. who are kind of tied up in a bondage style again. But for, from what it looked like, they, they weren't really enthusiastic about doing the grunting and groaning then. Like, no. You can see in their faces like, oh, this is too much now. Now you're taking a piss. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello again. Welcome to all of our listeners. Welcome back to Geek Sweat and another episode of Cult Film, uh, where we explore the world of video game to film adaptations. By the way, there now seems to be an endless pit of disappointments. But then, you know, you never know, you might actually like some of these. So I'm your hostess with the mostess, Jay. And once again, I've got the wonderful company of King Dom. Hey, Jay. So good to be here again. Oh, glad to see you back. And also TJ, Instigate Jones. Hey, Jay. Thank you for bringing me back into the circle. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) I felt sorry for you. Okay. (laughs) It was cold outside. Believe me. (laughs) Righty. So um, I gave you guys some homework um, and I believe you both watched DOA, Dead or Alive. I did. TJ? You know, when you open the package that is the DOA press kit, you're not quite sure if you're looking at a top shelf magazine or an actual feature film, but I welcomed the opportunity (laughs) to analyse this further. We salute your sacrifice. (laughs) You know, the first time I saw DOA, I thought it was dead... Um, Sorry, I thought it was dead on arrival, but it's actually... Okay, let's talk about that. or alive. Because the acronym of DOA is dead on arrival. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like if they called a film... AWOL, subtitle, Anywhere Over London. That's not the acronym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think there was just a, a play on the whole acronym. But um, yeah. yeah. Also, who would have a martial arts competition that might be called Dead on Arrival? That's not very <laughs> inviting, is it? That's why it's dead or alive. You leave alive or you leave dead. IMDb has listed at least eight films. With the title DOA. DOA yeah. Correctly the used, I as know. in Dead on Arrival. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that, that's why it kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, you know what else <laughs> is funny? I remember when I was a kid and I watched The Karate Kid, yeah. which gave me the impression that martial arts competitions happened in municipal sports centres. Mm. But actually, they really happen on private islands owned by billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> with no transport <laughs> access either. Or runways. <laughs> So, so just to give people kind of like um, a little bit of background. So DOA, the film, um, Dead or Alive, 2006, was actually based on a video game called Dead or Alive. And the video games kind of spanned from 1996 to 2019. Mm. Um, and it was um, produced by Team Ninja and Tecmo. And the video game itself is very well known for buxom woman in an anime style Mm. um and they're all kind of like ninjas uh, in in a way um and it's spawned a number of offshoots including a volleyball version as well oh which um it's basically all completely built on the sex appeal of so they expanded on the top gun scene they did how did they ever fit buxom women into a volleyball theme well, how did they fit it into a martial arts fighting video game? I'll I, I tell you how, with lots of jiggly bits. <laughs> lots and lots of jiggling. Jiggling that just does not end. <laughs> yeah, we will come back to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so did it, any of you 
play the video games I'm, at all? I'm not familiar or... with that game. Did you play it, Jay? I never actually played it, but there's plenty of walkthroughs and um, you know uh, demonstrations on online. I think I have played that game. I can't remember whether it was at the arcade or on somebody's PlayStation, but I do remember that I think Mortal Kombat wasn't the only game that did that uh, 360 pirouette. And I do remember when Lara Croft's Tomb Raider avatar was being upgraded. This was the same era of seeing more, let's say, voluptuous women in many different angles yeah. inside a computer game. So I, I recognised those fight scenes because um, I think that was the advent of women just need bikinis as armour when they're fighting. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, kind of like level 300 and all you've got is this tiny little strip of something to cover your nipples. Towel. <laughs> 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 your action towel or just yeah. a little s- triangle you know around the waist <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're lots of everything shots aren't there there were yeah. like bum shots and oh, thigh yeah. shots and oh, yeah. midriff shots and yeah. it's a bit like um, you and know not- in Fast and Furious <laughs> they would like sneak in one montage where they would show a couple of bikinis mm. usually yeah. in a drag race Yeah, yeah, yeah. but this film is like that for 90 minutes yeah. oh yeah yeah. But, but the thing is, a lot of the time it was buxom women grabbing other buxom women. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I th- can't imagine the appeal of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, interestingly, I you know when those video games first came out, it, it seemed to be the era of like geeky teenage boys and you mm. know directed toward young boys. Yeah. And I think the film, when they decided to make the film, I mean, it was. Definitely for the fans. It was definitely fan service to a T. Yeah. The amount of um, things that they took from the game and put it in the film were actually mm. so many. There were so many. Mm. Apart from, you know, just, you know, women doing their thing. Um, the whole kind of tournament arena thing, the whole uh, thing. The thing is, in the, in the video game, it wasn't restricted to the ring yeah it was kind of like anywhere and everywhere and they did make a reference to that or eric roberts as the kind of the island owner tried to make a reference that like any fight can happen anywhere yeah. at any time yeah which is also like the script writers saying like we can just make anything happen at any time do yeah. sex machine <laughs> <laughs> which is the premise of the game so yeah well i mean the thing is a lot of the video game the fighting style ones they don't tend to have a huge amount of storyline like there's no mm. real campaign but yeah. I think with DOA especially in some of the later versions of the video game they mm. actually developed yeah um, more of a storyline more of a kind of campaign story to go with the with the gameplay yeah um, and that that's kind of what Mortal Kombat did as well mm. um, by the you know by the time the last one came through it had quite a quite a you know full story and, and background to the video games themselves was there anything in the film, Dom, that you felt was just, um, you know, you could praise it? <laughs> I could praise it. Well, <laughs> let's be honest. We've had a low bar to date. <laughs> mm. 
We have seen some right old crap in this strand, haven't we? We, we did. And, and you know why I chose this was because it was just so low bar. And I thought, you know, this is something we could talk about and have fun talking about. Yeah. It. I thought so, this was one you picked for the boys because it was like so much fan service oh, going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it, that's exactly why I chose it for you boys. And yeah. it was appreciated, I think. <laughs> Although I was a bit paranoid about my mum coming in, even though she doesn't live with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, what can we say? Well, like I said, we have seen some pretty dubious films in this strand, not least House of the Dead, which is possibly the worst film I've ever seen. Mm. Oh, there's there's another one coming. Can't wait. Well, mm. by another one, you mean another one by right, the maestro that is. Yes, Uwe Boll. <laughs> Uwe Boll. Can't wait. <laughs> But anyway, that's the bar. So this film, yes. okay, it the story is unoriginal, the script is poor, the acting is generally poor, but the director, Corey Yuen, is a genuine Hong Kong legend. He did choreography for Bruce Lee films. And the fight scenes are actually competent, and occasionally even better than competent. Some of them are actually quite good. What I really liked about some of the fight scenes were the um, sound effects. Like it was like um, Jamie Priestley's Presley's character, you know, doing a kick and there's a whip sound, a and there's oh, yeah. a shotgun sound, mm. and uh, which kind of adds to the fun of it. I I think for me, well, there was a bit where she kicked someone in the face, and there was a cuckoo sound like you get in a cartoon, <laughs> <laughs> which which is for me part of the appeal because I even though I don't appreciate as a good film, it's an entertaining film, and I it was think the most entertaining bad film I've seen. <laughs> what What do you think? TJ? The big difference I noticed between the game and um, the film is there was more upskirting. Like, I didn't see... Any, I mean, you got the legs, you got a bit of bums, you got some cleavage, but there was plenty of upskirt shots that weren't there before in the game. And I was thinking, somebody's got an edited reel here of a film <laughs> that's completely different for their own personal interest. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely made for the male gaze. The um, plot was whapper thin. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't think the plot was really there for anything other than maybe just stringing it just a little bit together. Okay, <laughs> can, can anyone talk about the credit of the guy or girl who is chucking the throwing stars? Because they came out of nowhere. They did. I have no idea. And I was thinking, like, are you guys actually sponsored by a company called DOA? Because, like, there was DOA paraphernalia everywhere. It was on the island. It was on the badges. It was on it was the throwing stars. Yeah, it was on the volleyball. I think it, some guys were wearing jackets with DOA on it. And I think even the, the super secret building, which had the super secret computer, which we can delve into later, also had DOA on the front doors. Well, it is their trademark. Mm. So <laughs> I suppose it's like anything. I'm like, if you went to a Google um, office or something, you'd have Google everywhere. <laughs> I don't know, it, it, but it just felt like... It's meant to be a secret lair. I mean, it's not like Jurassic Park where yeah, there's an excuse to have the branding everywhere. But it's in the lair, though. The, the location of the lair is secret, not the not the lair itself, because otherwise people wouldn't know about it. They'd be like, oh, DOA, what the hell is this invitation? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's obviously an underground thing that people know about but just don't know the location of. I don't know, man. Because it, it felt like they was reminding the audience what film they were watching because there were so many shortcuts and snaps and just weird transitions that at one point actually did think how did they get from <laughs> how did she get from okay i understand she could jump on a sword to go over a castle but then it was like okay you're flying over a castle and she just whipped off her clothes 
and she had a parachute. I know. Yes, I was going to get to that, but never mind. I'll let you carry on because you're on a roll. No, no. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I mean, apart from that, I mean, the the the, mat, the 101 health and safety violations that she created is like, how high was that castle for her to be just falling for like miles and miles and miles? In the mountains. In the mountains, yeah. In the high, high, high altitude mountains. Crazy. Somewhere. Yeah, well, apparently she was in 16th century Japan and she like fell all the way to the 21st century. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, the clan was hidden away from modern society. And she saw the throwing star again when her brother rescued her. That scene was when he was being invited to the tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that wasn't for her. That invitation was for him. So someone could chuck a throwing star at him. Yeah. <laughs> But the context of her being kidnapped and then rescued her brother was very poorly explained. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we never understood I, who did that and why. I don't think they even bothered explaining it. It was just to show that... I think it was just to show her relationship to the brother that he rescued her, she's thankful, and now he, she's off to rescue him. Mm. Or at least find out what's happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, f for people listening, by the way, so the the whole kind of plot is that um, Princess Kasumi is off to find her, to find out what happened to her brother who competed in the tournament the year before. So this is all about her journey to try and find out what happened to her brother, essentially. And um, she meets um, these other women fighters along the way who end up helping her. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've managed to work out now. So her brother is Hayate, who actually plays Seraph in The Matrix Revolutions, oh. if I pronounced that correctly. And the reason why I wanted to mention that is there are some competent actors and performers in there this. Loads. There are, they are. You've got some really big names in here, but it's, the film itself is just. Yeah. It's just eye candy for the boys. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't. Um, I mean, I suppose. It's it's it, they have to work with the material that they've been given, but there's some really quite. I mean, Jamie Presley. I've probably got a bit of a crush on her, but I really liked her ever since. Um, well, a lot of American comedies, but one that stands out is obviously. Uh, um, is it Earl? My, my name, name is Earl. my name is Earl. Is a bit is a big one that she's been in. Um, you've got Devon Aoki, who's kind of famous for being in Sin City. I mm. think it is mm -hmm. um, yep, that Quentin Tarantino film. Was it Robert Rodriguez? Sorry, Both Robert, of them. Robert Rodriguez, yeah. Um, you've got Eric Roberts. I, I know he's a jobbing actor, but he, he can pull out some good performance every mm -hmm. now and again. You've got Matthew Marsden, who's like a long way from Coronation Street, and he's done a lot of feature films ever since then. He's even mm -hmm. done stuff with Chris Hemsworth, and mm -hmm. he's he's got like 20, 25 action films to his name. You've got Brian White, um, who plays Zach. He's another person who's done a lot of American black dramas. And again, Colin Chow has done like lots of martial arts films. So... The, the fault for me in terms of how this came across has got nothing to do with the cast. And I think, um, the, like you mentioned, Corey Yuen is a director of note because he was a stunt, he was a, sorry, a stunt and fight choreographer yeah. beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the fault lies on this film on the shoulders of, of the screenwriters for me. Fair enough. But I mean, I, I don't think this film was ever really made to be a serious film. I think they were relying on the the fan service and mm. and the, the you know just the the fan base to kind of pick it up. But uh, interestingly, um, 
Well, not so interestingly. Um, like the the budget was thirty million. Three zero. Yeah, thirty. Three wow, that's a lot of money zero. going back then. I need yeah. to check the inflation and, on that. And the um the box office was seven point seven million. So I mean, it absolutely bombed. But I would have thought that a a lot of the you know especially the young boys and and you know the younger older men in society would have just flocked to see this but mm. clearly I, I'm, I'm wrong <laughs> so how could you go so wrong yeah it, exactly because I would have thought you know just with all of the the fanfare that was there and all of the the skin that was showing that you know this is actually quite an enjoyable show you know and sorry enjoyable film for for people to just sit back and just have a bit of a giggle really because you can't take it seriously mm. no it's definitely not a serious film it's played for laughs yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there are like captions to help you along if you find yourself like zoning out. Yeah. I mean, definitely loads of plot holes, but I mean, it wasn't about the plot. It was about, you know, sh- showing you, girls fight. Do you think there wasn't enough material to like, let's say there wasn't enough campaigns from the original DOA game to turn it into a spectacle of a, of a feature film, like an ongoing story that made sense? Or, or maybe they just, um, you know, they probably just didn't um, think about it mm. enough. I think it was. I, I think they just, um, in a way, relied very heavily on the the video game fan base, but mm. they didn't really think of other people who don't play the video game. Mm. So they didn't. They didn't really do us one size fits all they kind of did a kind of i I think they streamlined it for the the video gamers yeah and i think it's only the video gamers who probably appreciated it because i think if you play the video game you're really only playing it for the 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 anime yeah 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 i just want to add two more factoids about this as well um so uh, again i'm dogging the writers but one of them is actually like a blast from the past so um, Adam Gross and I think it's yeah Adam Gross and uh, Sean Gross I think it is are the screenplay writers of Dead or Alive and they've only really had the project um, Devour which is like some video that came out in 2005 the year before but the writer J.F. Lawton is actually the original screenplay writer for Pretty Woman oh wow yeah so I get the feeling that, I mean, I don't know what happened with this film, but I get the feeling that two guys acquired the rights for Dead or Alive. They tied up some script and it didn't quite go across and they probably had like J.F. Lawton do a touch up on it to kind of just push it over the line, so to speak. Yeah, I didn't clock that, but I did see there were lots of writing credits, which is usually the sign of a long gestation and mm. something that's Multiple been... Multiple rewrites. Yes, and something that's been in development hell. Mm. And not to throw J.F. Lawton under the bus, but he is the original screenwriter for Pretty Woman, 1990, Under Siege, 1992, Chain Reaction, 1996, which ironically wasn't a chain reaction because he didn't do anything for 10 years until he came on to VIP, 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 (laughs) and he did this this series for TV, and then just out of the blue, um, he's doing Dead or Alive. So he went from VIP to DOA. I think you're trying to say something there, Dom. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I he guess like if you told him that the next things he'd done would be VIP and DOA, he would have said WTF. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you. We're here all week, folks. Well done, well done. 
Do you know what? It's got very acronymous. If you're trying to take it seriously, you're just not going to get there. You're just mm. going to be disappointed. But if you're just there for the, the scenery, mm. I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I, I did I, think Cory Yuen, he pulled out a couple of good action scenes. Yeah. I did really like the scene where Jamie Presley was fighting on the steps. Yeah. And there was like an overhead shot which was going up the steps as she was going up the steps. Mm. Oh, and the okay. ninjas were converging on her. That was really nicely done. The thing is, I... I, I I, I don't fault the the whole way it's been put together. It's just the content itself. I mean, there's no no real story, yada yada. So, did you spot the film references that I think it was trying to do? House of well? Flying Daggers. I yeah. saw there was the yeah. bamboo forest fight. Yeah. So I, I think because this film came out in 2006, it feels like it's been influenced a little bit by House of the Flying Daggers, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, Naturally Game of Death, which was. I would say the stair ascension of um, the princess's uh, second in charge or foot soldier as he goes to check out the secret lab as he's going up the, the stairs. Um, there's the volleyball scene, I think was obviously Top Gun. Um, no, volleyball scenes are linked to the volleyball game. Yeah, but I'm just thinking like because of Top Gun coming out before and it was like all men shirts off. I think it's a close film uh. reference to that the way it's filmed. Um, then you've got the yeah tournament on an island again. That's Game of Death, and um, yeah, there was a there was a couple of Matrix Reloaded style fight scenes. Uh, but I think one of the obvious influences, particularly costume wise, is probably Kill Bill, particularly for the American actor actors who were play, portraying the women fighters in this film. It felt like there was like a lot of Kill Bill nods to it as well. Possibly. Yeah, which all checks out with the time because this was all early 2000s. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, I was definitely getting that early 2000s the vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the noughties, yeah. It, yeah, because it had this weird kind of like high, de it, we've just filmed in a new version of high definition quality video vibe and now it's kind of aged in a kind of a pornographic way yeah. and I'm going to use the word pornographic not because of what happened specifically in the film even though we do know there was a naked black guy who jumped out of a swimming pool but the um the did that offend you it didn't offend me I, fe <laughs> I felt what it was would you it have was... preferred it to have been a woman no no I think what, it, <laughs> what I was felt I was seeing was it was Nate it was like two to one naked man naked woman naked woman naked man and it was just like naked woman naked woman half naked man so there was kind of keeping that kind of ratio up. So I didn't mind that. Um, and I he like- He was keeping his end up. Yeah, and I like the kind of jokes where they try to fit in the whole, the, the, there's lesbians involved in this film having two women in the bed and stuff like that. But well, the- Well, no, um, it was influences. It, was, it wasn't really, you know, ab about the- Yeah, it was tongue in cheek. Yeah, uh, yeah. The humor. But yeah, they, they did play the, the coy sex lines and stuff like that. But I think one of the interesting things uh, for me was like that kind of, basically the- uh, I wouldn't say camera stock, but the film quality or texture has it's kind of video, aged. Wasn't it that glossy video look? Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of aged in a bad way because that kind of um, uh, texture of picture now is more commonly associated with video or stuff that went straight to like VHS. Pop videos, like a kind of S Club Seven video or something. It was really made for the male gaze. I mean, even the the fight scene in the rain mm. in in, a, in bikinis on the beach. On the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, w w you know, they're wrapping hand wraps suggestively, and you know, it was it was, it, it was almost like a pseudo bondage um, <laughs> scene. <laughs> yeah, one thing that is done in computer games that that films that normally do, they do they did start a lot with the 
uh, how can I say it? The side shot, the profile shot, which is kind of familiar to the arcade game template of your two characters start on either side of a screen before they come together and mm. fight in the middle. Yeah. And I do appreciate DOA try to be faithful to that, keeping that signature shot quite they a few times. They absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's totally, fa- you know, fan service. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I don't know, man. I mean, th- when would you watch this? In a normal, in a normal, in a normal situation. Yeah. <laughs> when no one else they know because <laughs> this feels like no a, one shall speak of this <laughs> this feels like a, a film that you should watch when you are playing computer games or when you're waiting to upload the next pack of fifa 2022 or something like or that or just as background noise yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh and there was another thing as well yeah the moaning do you remember that there was this all this stuff going on about um there was like two or three scenes um because they had this random shaft or it looked like they had access to some location. They dressed it up and they had to use it over and over again because they pro- played out this premise that um, to get into the tournament, you had to jump out of a moving plane, abseil or parachute down, land on the beach, but then three of the women landed on the wrong side of the beach. This yeah. is despite the that, fact that we'd established the princess was good at paragliding in the first scene, exactly. but then she yeah. missed the mark exactly. in the second scene. And, the, um, and then there, there's this like, I'll call it a shaft with no pun or innuendo attendant <laughs> that the, these, the women had to climb or ascend. There's and nothing Freudian about that. Yeah, and the amount of moaning, grunting There's and groaning that you was know, going but, on. There's physical effort involved. Of course, they would involuntarily <laughs> let out a grunt but I think now that's and then faithful, as they're climbing up. But that's faithful to the anime Yeah, and but, the video game itself because there is a lot of... Uh, uh. <laughs> But then it went into ASMR mode again with with, with the um, the cloning device or the nanobot yeah, extracting the nanobot. device where it's like, yeah. okay, now we've got three women and a guy and yeah. who are kind of tied up in a bondage style again. But for, from what it looked like, they weren't really enthusiastic about doing the grunting and groaning then. Like no. you can see in their faces like, oh, this is too much now. Now you're taking a piss. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, you know, Curry didn't explain the, the character's motivation for doing it at that point. The thing yeah. is also that these women are supposed to be strong fighters. So, you know, it's kind of like, what's with the moaning and the grunting? <laughs> can we talk about Holly Valance from Neighbours? Oh, yeah. Sure, go for it. I know you've got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> How did you enjoy her performance? <laughs> um, it was of a consistency with her work in Neighbours, I would say. Every bit as good as you would expect if you'd seen her in that well-loved soap opera. Mm. I was actually surprised with her um, martial arts skills, actually. No, no, fair enough. She actually did a good job with the choreography. Yeah. But uh, we have to acknowledge that there was a blend of genuine martial arts performers and people who kind of learned a few tri- tricks and tips, I think, for the shoot. And I don't want to take anything away from what each person did, but I think the woman called Sarah Carter, who played Helena Douglas, who, Helena Douglas, who was the son of the murdered guy who owned the project of DOA before, um, I noticed, and I couldn't help but notice, every time there was like lots of sky shots and aerial shots, anytime she did a contact blow or a move, there was like a lot of quick cutting. And um, I think with Eric Roberts, and I'm going to call him out on this, one hour, 13 minutes, eight seconds, there's a clear scene when he's trying to get away and there's a darker skinned person in his costume for at least five seconds of the footage combating three women at the same time as he's trying to get away from the shaft, as it were. And so I thought it was a black guy at first because I was that, I was that shocked by the, 
the change of complexion, but I think it was like a dark-skinned Southeast Asian person. I totally missed that. I didn't even see that at all. I I probably wasn't really paying that much attention. (laughs) (laughs) Not not an hour and 30 minutes in. But what I think is, you know, because like his, 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 his... the, the tool that he ended up with at the end when with, with all of his nanobot technology mm-hmm. was a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, if you're going to have like a, a weapon that's going to make you a superpower, yeah. you wouldn't want something that could easily fall off your face when you got hit. <laughs> for, for the viewers at home, could you explain the power or the purpose of these glasses? Like, what right, can, so... What so my, my my understanding of it was the nanobots basically were injected into each contestant at the very beginning of the tournament so that he could monitor their what would you call it power i suppose yeah or fight moves or routines i think it yeah, was yeah it was yeah. basically to map them and, and and how they fought and so that when he so that he could then download that information into himself um, using the sunglasses, and so he could be a better fighter by predicting what they might do. Mm. Uh, shadow kind of, or a mirroring kind of technology, yeah. basically to help him to predict what they're going to do, and so therefore make himself a better fighter for for whatever reason. I have no idea. I mean, he's a billionaire. Why didn't he just train? Yeah. <laughs> Rather <laughs> than go through all the hassle of nanobots and and downloading information like that it's just weird but anyway yeah but it's like you know that's the most pointless piece of equipment you could have in a ring i can't help thinking like if it was a mcu film they wouldn't be sunglasses it would be a visor or a helmet (laughs) (laughs) well it's harder to, to kick off a helmet though isn't it (laughs) <laughs> well, obviously, you know he's the bad guy, so you don't want to give him any advantages. But if he was a supervillain, a super villain, he would have some kind of more threatening configuration. <laughs> so, d- just kind of like rounding up a little bit here, because we're kind of moving on in time. Um, DOA two. Is that has that happened? No, but okay. would you like it to? <laughs> oh. I'm not sure if it, I want to see exactly the same cast, but... I mean, who would you cast in your, your dream DOA cast? Uh, okay, so if we, I'm just going to pick the, Jamie four, Presley. the four women. Um, yeah, Jamie Presley <laughs> has to stay because I, I think she's... I, I enjoyed her performance. Herself. I enjoyed and, her performance. And she's, re- she's very attractive, but she's a good comedic actor. And I don't think she's a stand-up comedian. I think she she does scripted comedy very well. So I think she's very versatile. Uh, Devon Oki, I haven't heard her speak this much in a film, so it will probably be good to bring her back as well. Actually, do you know what? Probably bring back the three women, the three main women. Uh, Joan Presley as Tina Armstrong, Devon Oki as Kasumi, Holly Valance as Christy Allen, and just re rejig the rest of the cast. So maybe your Eric Roberts is now... I don't know, who's an old guy in his <laughs> mid-50s? Okay, let's get David Hasselhoff in. We haven't seen him for a while. Um, uh, the love interest, uh, who's a bit of a thief um, and a bit of a wide boy. Who could That, that sounds like almost like it should be Jason Staffan, but we could get the um, Nick Moran from, uh, what do you call Lockstock. it? Lockstock. Uh, bring him in. And uh, if you need the token black guy, uh, it would make sense actually to switch from Brian White to Michael J. White because he actually knows martial arts. And he's yeah. um, he's a kung fu specialist. So yeah, those would probably m- be my free picks. Yeah. And, and you, Dom, H- have you got uh, anything to add to that? Or 
Um, wow, how can I add to that? I mean, <laughs> like, TJ has clearly given this more thought than I have. King Dom agrees. I do agree. I mean, I'd just like to say it would be nice if we saw more of Devon Aoki. I mean, don't mean more of her physically. I mean more performances. <laughs> As I understand, she actually took a step back from her career to oh. start a family. And that's yes, why she, she hasn't been in as much recently. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for a DOA 2, mm. I would like to see this just remade as an original DOA, just with something a little bit more serious, I think. Something okay. with a bit, something that's a bit more meatier. I'm not trying to shoehorn in the jokes and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I think this could be remade. The thing is, I enjoyed the fighting scenes. Yeah, I, I did as think, well. I just think that um, it didn't need as much flesh as it had because I think that was more about the fan service and, you know, the, the male gaze more than anything. Sure. So I would have wanted, um, you know, I would like a stronger storyline, mm. um, something a bit more complex perhaps. Mm. Um, but I... I but once again, you know, I enjoyed the fighting scenes. I think they were, you know, very well done. Mm. Um, mm, some yeah. of them were more sexual than they needed to be. But I suppose, you know, if you're going to make a fanfare kind of film, it's going to have it in there, right? Yeah. Um, but that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. So, Jamie, what about a director if they're going to do DOA 2 or DOA Remake? See, the thing is, I don't, you know, I kind of agree with what, with what was said earlier. Was I, I don't think it was um, Corey's um, mistakes in in this film. It was definitely a script writing issue. Yeah. Because he's got what he's got to work with, um, and and his his forte is martial arts. His yeah. forte. I is think we all agreed it delivered on that. Yeah, mm. and it absolutely did. But the storyline that's a script thing. And considering that they had the script change so many hands, it's and it sounds like they had so many rewrites. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think it had a chance to survive in in that in that area. Mm. Yeah. Oh, this sounds very sad now. It's like everyone's tired. You're all kind of spent. <laughs> <laughs> we need to power up. We we lost some life bars there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's all we have time for. Thank you so much, Kingdom, for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us, DJ. Thank you for inviting me to the cult film tournament. Really Yay. <laughs> yep. And thank you, everyone out there listening to us. We really appreciate it. Um, this is Jay, and I am signing out. Ciao.